Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Redefined, Changing the Experience of Divorce. I'm your host, Cindy Stibbard. And I am so grateful to those of you who continue to tune in with me every week. And honestly, it hasn't been every week in the summer. I know we're all in a little bit of a summer hiatus, but we will be coming back in full force come the fall. So I am so glad that you all still continue to tune in, listen to the show and on the show every week. If you haven't tuned in before, and if this is your first time listening in, we dig deep into a topic that many of us can feel really uncomfortable about a topic that continues to be highly stigmatized in our society and one that triggers even those of us who have gone through it and are well on the other side. And that's the topic of divorce. So if you've been following me for a while here on the show or over on my social media networks, especially Instagram, you will know for sure how passionate I am about changing the experience of divorce. I truly believe that changing the experience of divorce is a movement. And you don't have to be going through divorce yourself to be supportive of this movement, but I would bet that you know someone who has, who is, or who will go through divorce at some point in their life. And this show is for all of them. So I really love to pride myself on bringing you guys as much education, resources, and better professionals in front of you. Those of you out there who are going through a tough time, whether it be divorce or any major life transition, my mission is to really bring you these resources to help empower you to navigate tough times in a better and different way. Because I believe that the more we know, the better we can do. And that is where change can begin. So if we can really start to work together and prepare and plan and pivot our mindset and normalize these conversations around hard topics like divorce, I really believe that we can start to eradicate the stigma and the shame that society can hold so firmly around divorce. And if we really start to do this together, I think that we can truly change the foundation of our own marriages, the relationships that we then go into have after marriage and divorce, and even that of the relationships and marriages that our kids have one day, we can start to change all of that because I truly believe, and I know that you all are listening, believe that with me, the movement to change the experience of divorce isn't bigger than us. It is us. So I know that there's also this one big common belief that when you decide to get divorced, or maybe you've been hit by divorce, blindsided by it, the very first thing you do is go out and retain that attorney or that family lawyer, like we refer to them up here in Canada. A lawyer is a very important part of your process, incredibly important. It might not necessarily be the first thing you do, but getting as much information as you can is so critical before you jump into these unknown, uncharted waters. My experience was just that. You know, the first thing I did when I decided to leave my marriage, I was absolutely terrified. 
literally the day after I had told my husband, I wanted a divorce. I reached out to the lawyer that had written up our prenup and I was terrified. I hadn't been in a lawyer's office for almost 12 years. I had so many preconceived notions about lawyers and how ugly and scary and expensive the divorce process is. And, you know, honestly, you can create that process just like what I said, if that's what you want to do. And I drove to my divorce lawyer's office and I sat in front of this big tower downtown and I was trembling, literally visibly trembling. I had to get my thoughts in order and I could barely speak any words out of my mouth without coming to tears. Divorce is already such a stressful time for everyone involved. And there's a thousand and one different things to have to be discussed, separated and settled all while you're dealing with the pain of losing a marriage and the life that you thought you, you were creating. And of course it can be especially stressful when there are children involved. So today I'm excited to bring you someone special because I really believe that the more information education that you start to do at the beginning of the process, even when you're just contemplating the divorce process, the better you can set the stage for your divorce. So I'm sitting down today with divorce attorney, Bill Farias. I say that right, right, Bill? Is that how you say the yes. last name? Bill Farias. Yes. Bill is the founder and CEO of Farias Family Law, a divorce and custody firm in Massachusetts. He started his legal career prosecuting, then practicing criminal defense. Ooh, that's interesting. And later committing exclusively to divorce and custody work. So I am so, I'm so thrilled that we finally get to sit down and do this because I feel like I've been following you and all of your amazing tidbits of, of wisdom for years. So thank you for being here. Yeah, same here. And uh, I'm happy to be here and uh, I'm flattered that I would, uh, was asked to come on and I'm looking forward to chatting. Yeah, my pleasure. And I do think, you know, what I had said in the introduction a little bit, and you probably see this a lot, there's a lot of trepidation, there's a lot of intimidation, there's a lot of fear around the, that process of hiring a divorce attorney. Is there not? Yes, <laughs> I, I, I agree. I can see it in the people that sit before me. Yeah, because I think for some reason, lawyers seem to be really untouchable. Like they're scary and they're the part of the process. They're the, the person in this process is going to, you know, make it or break it. So let's talk about, let's talk about that. So starting from the beginning, first of all, let's, let's go a bit into you. I'm curious as to how you decided to go into family law, hearing that you are a criminal defense lawyer, first of all, is super intriguing. And that sounds very difficult. What made you shift from that into the field of family law? What um, got me interested in law in the first place is that growing up, I played a lot of sports, so I was very competitive. And when I started to think about what I was going to do for a career, the law seemed appealing because it has an element of competition to it. You know, there's someone on the other side, you make your argument, the other side makes their argument. Uh, there isn't always a winner, a clear winner or a loser, but there is that element of competition. There's an adversarial process. And so I was really interested in that. But backing up, um, when I left undergrad, I actually um, 
became a social worker first. So I was a mm. child protective social worker in Massachusetts. Here it's called the Department of Children and Families. Mm -hmm. So when there is a, a report of abuse or neglect, that department is notified. Someone goes out, investigates, a social worker is assigned. And so that was my first job out of undergrad. And that exposed me to a lot of elements that we deal with day in and day out in family law. So mm -hmm. mental health, domestic violence, substance abuse, um, finances, obviously the issues that relate to the children, schooling, medical care, and mm -hmm. of course the abuse and, and neglect uh, that we were involved in investigating and um, addressing. So when I um, started law school, my goal was to become a criminal defense attorney. And that's just because I was, first of all, I was interested also in probation. Mm -hmm. um, so I spent a, a couple of summers interning in the criminal courts, uh, following probation officers. And so I found the, the criminal um, topic interesting generally. And when I combined that with competition, I thought criminal defense was the best path. So I was in this social work field, wanting to go to law school, interested in criminal defense. And then I start doing criminal defense and I started looking for some diversification, another practice area that I can get into. And family law seemed like the best fit because of my history mm -hmm. as a social worker. I was already familiar with a lot of the um, elements and issues that are very common in divorce. Mm -hmm. And so I started picking up family law cases. And throughout the years, I became more interested in family law and gradually decreased my criminal caseload. And here we are today, we don't practice criminal defense at all anymore. Mm. And we're all in on essentially divorce and custody, which is yeah. a very specific sort of subset of family law cases. Of course, there's adoption, guardianship. Uh, we don't do that. We do specifically divorce and custody and exclusively um, those practice areas. Right. Wow. That's great. I love that you have that background because I really think that that puts you at a compassionate advantage when you're dealing with people through divorce, because you do understand those elements when it comes to deal with children and all the emotions involved. Because I, as I said before, in the beginning, I hundred percent think that an effective, a good, compassionate experienced family law lawyer or attorney is integral to your process, but not every lawyer is created equal, right? In this process, we see a lot of that. And what I love about your stuff is that you do combine a lot of that compassion, a lot of what's best for the kids, a lot of what's best for you emotionally when you're going through this. And I do love that you also have that specialty. So when you're hiring a family attorney or family lawyer, how important do you think it is that they specialize in sort of family law or the area of exclusive practice, as opposed to being, 
you know, one of the various areas, because I know that a lot of people can go out and just hire a lawyer and one of their areas is, is family law, but they might practice corporate. They might do a bunch of these different things. So when you're advising someone to really choose, first of all, you know, their family, their divorce attorney, what do you have them look at? And in terms of what do they consider first? I do think specialization is important and it's especially important as you move toward the high um, risk end of the spectrum. So what I always tell people is these cases, family law cases, divorce cases, they, they fall on a spectrum of risk. On one end of that spectrum, you have cases that are very low risk. If people have no children, they've been married a short amount of time, there isn't a huge disparity in income, not a lot of assets to divide. That's a very low risk case. So in that case, it really matters uh, relatively little um, who you have helping you and you can get away with a, a general practitioner that does it here and there. As you move toward the higher or the middle, the higher end uh, of that spectrum in terms of risk, I think it becomes increasingly important to have someone guiding you who has the experience, has the knowledge, has been in front of the judges, has been in these courtrooms, has come across these issues. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that's that's really important. Um, and I also think it's important to ask around um, mm -hmm. you know, family and friends, hey, do you know anyone who's been through this? Who did they use? Um, th that's important, but I would also add to that going online and just doing your homework. It's it's very easy for someone who's had a bad experience to go online and complain about it, and people love to complain. And mm -hmm. so you will see if someone is not operating out of out of integrity, if someone is not doing good work, in the profession, chances are you will find that information online. So do your homework, go online, check out the reviews, see what other people are saying. So I think yeah. it's really that that combination. You, you want to look for someone, the more you have on the line, the more you want someone who specializes in that practice area. And look, I compare it to medicine. If mm -hmm. you have a serious heart issue, you are not going to be satisfied with a conversation with your primary care physician, right? You're going totally. to see- you're going to see a specialist. So I think the same thing applies in law. And that's one of the reasons I don't delve into these other practice areas and we stay narrowly focused because we want to be really good at it. So I think it's a combination of specialization, ask around, word of mouth is important. It's not everything, but it is important. And then you want to go online um, and see how much information you can find about the firm. Yes, that's really good advice. And I I totally think that those testimonials and the ratings that you find about lawyers is really key because I know when you're in it and you haven't been in it, and maybe you haven't been surrounded by a lot of people who have already done gone through divorce before you, you tend to reach out to people and say, hey, you know, I need to find a divorce attorney or a family lawyer. Who do you know? And a lot of times you get a recommendation from someone who's never been divorced. <laughs> so you think, oh, I heard so-and-so is really great. And so you know, we latch on to this first person because we don't know anything about the type of person and lawyer that we should 
should be retaining or hiring. And even that process alone of going out, doing your homework, which I always say, okay, let's, let's talk to two or three different ones and get a feel of, of how they connect with you. Because to me, the way I chose mine was, do I felt, did I feel like this person was really going to resonate with me? Did I feel like they were on line where I didn't want to go all the way to court? I don't even want to go down that conversation of, well, what if we do let's have, let's, let's talk about what if we don't <laughs> let's, let's pretend we're not and bring in all of those possibilities. And also too, you know, setting the stage, I think for, your, your divorce attorney in terms of what to expect, like how often can I contact this person? How do they communicate best? What can I expect in terms of, you know, responding to my emails or phone calls? And when people are coming to you, what do you tell them they should expect from their family attorney in terms of that level of connection and communication? And where are the boundaries when it comes to clients and, and knowing what to expect? Well, that's a great question because I think it differs by firm, but I do agree with you that it is important to learn this information up front. I think I agree with you that it's important for people to talk to at least a couple of attorneys to make sure that they have someone uh, or ultimately hire someone who's a great fit. And these are some of the questions you want to ask. How do you operate? What is the what does the communication look like? What are your hours? Um, what happens if there's something urgent? And we um, provide all of this information during our onboarding. So um, obviously during the um, consultation process, what we call an assessment, any um, questions that the the uh, potential client would ask um, in, in those areas, we answer. But a lot of this information comes during onboarding. Mm -hmm. And we explain to the clients what our hours look like, the best way to get in touch with us, how we're going to send them information, how we expect to get information from them, um, what the court process looks like, what are the timeframes uh, that are involved. I think it's really important to set those expectations up front mm -hmm. because the court process can be very, very frustrating um, to people. And especially when you are in a practice area that's very emotionally driven, you have these all these other variables like, is the other party rational and reasonable? What yeah. about their attorney? Right. Um, and so I do think it's very important to have these conversations up front and we do our best to provide as much information at the outset to the client. So the client knows exactly what to expect. That's great. And that's also a sign of you're choosing the right divorce attorney for you. If they're going to be really upfront and transparent about what you can expect, here's what communication looks like. Here's how the process works instead of being kept in the dark about all of that, because they're already wondering so much about things, right? They want to be able to know, okay, where are the limits? Where are the boundaries with my attorney? What can I expect? Because even if it means, you know, I don't respond to your emails within, you know, seven days, at least now, you know, that upfront. So you aren't continually wondering, okay, I've sent an email. I haven't heard a response. It's been a day. Is that normal type of thing? I love that that transparency really helps to allow people to feel more comfortable. Um, what you also said, I think is really important about figuring out or, or actually preparing for the other side and whatever 
representation the other side, your spouse chooses. So how important is that? Because I know that sometimes certain lawyers only work in certain realms. You know, if you're hiring a litigator, they should probably work against another litigator. If you're going down the collaborative divorce route, two collaborative lawyers are likely better to work together than one litigator and one collaborative. And I know lots of times it doesn't work if two people are two on different ends of the spectrum. Does that make sense? It does. I, I think it's a significant factor there. I think in any um, court, in any jurisdiction, you have your probably handful of attorneys who can be very, very difficult to deal with. And that makes a big difference. I mean, you have to remember that the longer a case goes on, the more the attorney can bill. So you have these incentives that are sort of built in for attorneys who are not really looking out for their clients, but are really mm -hmm. looking to maximize profit. So I think that's one element of it is the, the more efficient and the easier it is, the less a lot of attorneys can bill for it. And therefore you have some attorneys trying to inject chaos, confusion, into the process in order to create billable time. And, and that's the worst case scenario, mm -hmm. um, but it is a reality, it, it does happen. And I think another, you know, connected to that, like I mentioned before, it's just a very emotionally driven practice area. Mm -hmm. And so you have some attorneys who can't detach from that to the point that they can operate objectively and rationally, and they sort of feed into the negative emotions that yes. clients are experiencing. And that's just adding fuel to the fire. Um, yes. And so it's such a big factor. You can have somebody on an attorney on one side who's reasonable and trying to do the right thing and have someone on the other side that is the complete opposite. And it's going to turn the case chaotic. And when we are in that situation, we do our best to advise the client of that because we know the players. So we'll say, look, this is what you can expect. Um, and of course, not, not speaking negatively about our colleagues, but just being realistic and saying, hey, in our experience, when this attorney is involved, here's what, what can happen. And so if it goes down that road, then don't be surprised. Um, right. So it, it can have a, a, a significant impact is the answer to that question. And that's great words of advice from a, the, the mouth of a family attorney yourself, right? To be able to be really aware of what certain attorneys can take this down the path. I mean, everyone wants to get paid at the end of the day, but in terms of like, what is a priority level here? Are they here to really help you and care about your needs or they just want that paycheck? And I mean, it is a double-edged sword for sure. Um, and the legal system, I think, has a bit of a bad rap for being a process that at times appears to be designed to create conflict rather than solve conflict efficiently. So what do you think of that? I think that sometimes people say, oh, the system is so flawed or it's just it's there to design to create and drag out the divorce process and it doesn't have anyone's best interest in mind. Where do you fall on that? Um, well, it's it's certainly a factor. I think that most attorneys, at least most attorneys that I've dealt with, are trying to do the right thing. But you do have this subset of attorneys who are driven by the money 
and will do what they need to do to maximize profit. And I, I think it's just very, very difficult to combat in terms of um, the system, in terms of the mm -hmm. system addressing it, because many of these attorneys stay within ethical boundaries mm -hmm. um, and it's under the guise of just fighting for the client. And yeah. I think people generally want somebody who's going to back them and represent their interests. The problem is a lot of people don't have specific experience in this practice, which is a good thing, right? Most people are divorcing for the first time and they never have to go through it again. So they don't really know. It's the saying, you don't know what you don't know. And right. so when these people are going into it, they're thinking, all right, this person just has my back and this is normal. And um, this is how it works. When in reality, it, it can sometimes be an attorney sort of overdoing it, um, overworking the case and mm. just creating more harm than good. And it, and it's very difficult to figure out where, where that line is for a client. Yeah. I mean, yeah. certainly an attorney who's experienced has a much better idea, but, um, and I, I'm not sure what the courts can do about it or what the bar can do about it because mm -hmm. you have this, um, so I guess you can call it sort of a natural setup where of course, the longer something takes and the more work that's involved, the more expensive it's going to be. So it's almost impossible to price a case at the outset without knowing um, all of the information. And that includes the other side's position, what they're willing to accept. And, and that just, I'm not going to say it's rare, but um, it's just as common to have people going into a divorce who don't know exactly how the property is going to be divided, who don't know mm. exactly what the best setup is for the kids, or at least they're not on the same page. They may have mm. their own separate ideas. So that just makes it very, very difficult to, to figure out like, okay, what, what, what should this look like in terms of the amount of time that it takes? Um, so I don't know the answer to that. Um, mm. That's um, a, a much bigger issue than um, I'll ever be able to, to tackle. Yeah. How do you rein this in? <laughs> I, I, I really don't know. I mean, we we just do... We do our best to bring some calm to the cases that we take on mm -hmm. and do our best to set reasonable goals with the client, maintain cordial relationships with the other side, um, and you know, move toward our goals efficiently and do our best to work around the court system to get the clients where they need to be. And that's really all we can control. Yeah, absolutely. You got to control what you can control. Right. And I think that that's a, a bigger issue. And as long as you choose the right type of attorney for you, I think that's a good place to start. So I want to go into more of this um, after we take just a quick break. We'll be right back. All of us know that it is next to impossible to make rational, logical, and even smart decisions from a place of fear. Most times, if we are in a place of fear and uncertainty, we won't make a decision at all. Cindy Stibbard, founder of Divorce Redefined, professional divorce and decision coaching, supports many individuals and couples at this stage who are unhappy and unfulfilled, who are either currently in the process of divorce or just only contemplating the idea of separation. 
Does this sound like you? If it does, you are not alone. Text DIVORCE to 602-200-6446 to book your free call. Those who choose to work with Cindy are wise and brave enough to realize that they need to know more before they're able to make such a big life decision. Working with a divorce and decision coach at these stages is the smartest investment you could make for yourself and your family. And it will almost always set you up for a better outcome, whether you choose the path of divorce or not. There have even been many individuals and couples who have decided to give their marriage another shot after working with Cindy. Because what she offers at Divorce Redefined is different. You don't have to only be getting a divorce to benefit from her professional guidance. Cindy offers a unique element in addition to her popular divorce services called Decision Coaching. Decision Coaching is a type of guided support that is meant to help couples get out of that indecision purgatory. Modeled after her training at the Doherty Relationship Institute, Cindy Stibbard's Decision Coaching approach is specifically designed to do just that, help couples come to a decision whether to take one more shot at reconciliation or whether it's better to prepare for divorce. Regardless of the direction taken, couples on the brink finally find the clarity and confidence to know whatever they decide, it is what's best for their family. As a divorce and decision coach and certified divorce specialist, Cindy Stibbard is an advocate of healthy relationships, whether a couple chooses to separate or try to stay together. She provides new insights, education, guidance, emotional support, and understanding of the many possible options for both individuals and couples who are in the process of uncoupling. At the end of the day, as Maya Angelou once said, when we know better, we do better. This is exactly the focus and purpose of working with Cindy. Are you considering separation or currently in the process of divorce and feeling overwhelmed, afraid, and confused about what this means for your future and that of your children? Do you want to do this right and make choices without regret? If you still aren't sure, ask yourself this. If I'm still in this exact place six months to a year from now, am I going to be okay with that? If your answer is no, Cindy is ready for you. Book a free confidential discovery call with Cindy at Divorce Redefined today. Text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446. That's text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446 to book your free discovery call today. You don't have to do this alone. All of us know that it is next to impossible to make rational, logical, and even smart decisions from a place of fear. Most times, if we are in a place of fear and uncertainty, we won't make a decision at all. Cindy supports many individuals and couples at this stage who have been unhappy and unfulfilled, who are either currently in the process of divorce or just only contemplating the idea of separation. Cindy's clients are wise and brave enough to realize that they need to know more before they are able to make such a big life decision. Working with a divorce coach at these stages is the smartest investment you could make for yourself and your family and it will almost always set you up for a better outcome, whether you choose the path of divorce or not. There have been many individuals and couples who have decided to give their marriage another shot after working with Cindy. As a divorce coach, certified divorce specialist, and qualified discernment counselor, Cindy is an advocate of healthy relationships, whether a couple chooses to separate or try to stay together. She provides new insights, education, guidance, emotional support, and understanding of the many possible options for both individuals and couples who are on the brink of separation. At the end of the day, as Maya Angelou once said, when we know better, we do better. This is exactly the focus and purpose of working with Cindy. Are you considering separation or currently in the process of divorce and feeling overwhelmed, afraid, and confused about what this means for your future and that of your children? Do you want to make the right decision without regrets? 
Why keep waiting? Book a free confidential discovery call with Cindy today. Text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446 or email info at divorceredefined.ca. You are listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. If you have a question for Cindy or her guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Here is Cindy Stibbard. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Divorce Redefined. I am here with divorce attorney Bill Farias of Bill of Farias Family Law. Um, go check him out on Instagram at Farias Family Law. And we are talking all about some of the key elements to keep in mind when you are choosing a divorce attorney, first of all, how to figure out whether they are the best match for you how to go about having that conversation of setting up expectations, knowing how they operate, knowing what to expect, and just having a good general sense of how this process works moving forward. Hiring a divorce attorney is a very key component of your divorce. It's not the only person involved. I really do believe that you do need to have a divorce team behind you, such as a coach, perhaps like myself, a really good divorce attorney. A lot of times you hire a financial person to really weed that out. And then someone to also support your emotions and the co-parenting piece. So it can really become a team effort. But if you do that team effort really well, you can end up actually saving yourself a lot of money and grief and time in the long run because you get support from all sides. And Bill and I were just talking about how the system is hard to navigate and knowing how to pick the best attorney for you is definitely a process. And it's important that you go in with eyes wide open and as much education and information as you can. And when you get into the system, you know, lots of times people will, will get into their divorce. They've hired an attorney. They now have a, how to him or her retained. And it's been a few months, maybe several months. And I hear sometimes often I work with people where they're like, where they decide, okay, you know what? I think it's my attorney and I'm not happy with the process as it's going. I think I need to switch attorneys. So Bill, how, what's your experience with this? And do you have clients that come to you and say, okay, no, I'm going to switch. I'm not happy with where things are going. And what do you do? Like, is that something people you recommend? What do people do? Why do they get to that point? So thankfully we have many more people coming to us from other attorneys than, than leaving us, but it does happen. And I think the most common reason for that is, well, there are a couple. Number one, I think that a lot of law firms do a very poor job of setting expectations up front. And so sometimes when people come to us for a second opinion, it's not that the attorney is doing anything wrong. It's that the attorney didn't have the right conversations or the appropriate conversations with the client at the outset Mm -hmm. about what the client can expect. And sometimes that's because the the attorney wants to just sign the person up and doesn't spend enough time talking about, look, here's here's where I think this is going to go and here's what you can expect. And not from a position of trying to be sneaky. Mm -hmm. It's just it wasn't discussed. And so now that things the, the expectations are not set. So now that things are not going the way the client 
thought they should be going, the client thinks that the attorney is the problem and that they need a change. Mm -hmm. So that's not, that's not always the case. Um, another very common reason that people want to switch attorneys is lack of communication. And I think this is a, 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 an issue with the legal profession generally. I think there's this sort of idea that in the law that you have attorneys handling the cases, they're the experts, and they'll tell you what's coming next when they can and get back to you when they can. And you should just sit patiently and right. wait. And um, especially in 2022 with, and I call it the Amazon age, where customer services or client services overall um, on the rise in terms of how easy it is to get information, to get answers. And so you have this sort of old school profession with the approach that they don't return phone calls promptly. Mm -hmm. They don't communicate effectively. And so there is a big divide there. And, you know, um, a lot of it is just the, the mentality of the profession. Some of it is resources where you have attorneys who just have big caseloads, don't have a lot of support. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're not able to get back to clients uh, efficiently and, and communicate well. So those are the two most common reasons. I mean, sometimes we do have people call us and the attorney is just not sizing up the case properly or, you know, made a mistake. But usually it falls into those two categories where there, there weren't reasonable expectations mm -hmm. set with the client up front or there, there are communication issues or some combination of those two. Yeah, you bring up a really good point about a lot of us who who are in this process. They really expect the attorney to kind of take the lead, right? Like take the reins. I'll sit here and you tell me what I'm going to do next. How much of this do you feel is also on the client to like voice their needs, voice what they want this to look like, or at least to a certain degree in terms of what they know? Like how much do you think that matters? Well, I, I certainly think it matters a lot. I mean, when you communicate with your attorney, it's very important to talk to your attorney about what's most important to you and to be um, upfront, transparent, and take initiative in talking to the attorney when there are developments in the case. Mm -hmm. So yes, absolutely. I, I You can't assume that an attorney is reading your mind or that unless you communicated it, that an attorney knows exactly what your pain points are and, and what's most important to you. So I do believe that that's absolutely important. You have yeah. to talk to your attorney, speak up, don't assume mm -hmm. that your attorney knows what you want. Yes. And have those realistic expectations because I have worked with clients before. Oh, my attorney says that we're going to get it all. My attorney says we're going to get this really big amount of support or this or that. You know, I think that you go in with managing your expectations. Or, okay. What if that doesn't happen? Where is your spectrum of here's my bottom line type of thing? And here's where I'm willing to accept to be okay. You know, really go in with the whole, this isn't about you know, winning or losing, this is about trying to make this as balanced as possible because you still have a family to keep in mind at the end of the day. So even though you are divorced, I mean, my philosophy is, yes, you are no longer together as that traditional family unit, 
but you still are a family, no matter how you look at it. And I love for you, if you know, your Instagram is so full of these amazing small snippets of advice that most people need to know these really common burning questions that they want to know about kids. They want to know about custody. They want to know about, you know, um, who gets the kids when, what's the best for the kids and really bringing in those emotional pieces. So thinking about how you specialize in, in custody, what do you find your biggest fears and concerns are for parents during divorce that are revolving around their kids in custody? Well, I think a very, a very common one, especially it just, I mean, it happens to be moms because moms just tend to spend more time with younger children. That's just how it is. I think that's shifting to some degree with more and more ladies getting out um, and, and working now than, you know, say a decade, two decades ago. Uh, but I think a very common issue is that naturally, um, we have moms of very young children who are very anxious about not having the children with them mm-hmm. all day, every day. And that anxiety can sometimes cloud their judgment about what's best for the child. So if you have a father on the other side who is loving, who is caring, who wants to be involved with the child, it's very important to recognize that that's in the child's best interest to have that person involved to to the extent possible and addressing your anxiety, right? Like that's a, and not to sound harsh, but that's an issue with you that you need to sort through and it's natural and it's understandable, but it's one that you have to do some work on and, and just, expecting that you're going to have the child every day and the father is going to be minimally involved because you're afraid to let go is just unrealistic. And oh. so I would say you, you have to do the work to get yourself to a point um, where you can do what's best for the child. That is so true. And I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely back you up on that from a woman who went through a divorce and I don't want to say lose my kids 50%. I share them now 50% because I don't, I never lost them. I just was no longer the primary anymore, but I do know from a woman's perspective, I mean, I was a stay at home mom for 11 years. I didn't I was not the financial breadwinner. They were my life. They were my identity, right? This was my job. This is my full-time job to be their mom. And so when someone else, AKA your spouse steps in and says, actually, I'm going to take half of that job from you, you immediately feel like it's a taking my role type of thing, forgetting that you actually created these two people together, that you're equally responsible for them, you know, you, and you both love them just as much. And it's so integral for both parents. Yes. I know there's lots of like abuse situations where maybe it's not appropriate, but I'm just speaking in behalf of the average family for the mother to go through that is so hard for me, honestly, at the beginning, it felt like my limbs were being ripped from my body. Like it was literal physical pain. And to watch my kids cry when I had to transition them, it was just like, I almost get to tears now still thinking about it. But at the same time, you are right. And it's not harsh. It's true. When you say it's an, it's an us thing, because as a mom, 
we birth those kids. And for some reason, we think we know best and that's it. We think we are the primary. And so that's where the kids should remain. And I grew up in a family where my parents divorced. Um, and my dad wasn't around a lot because it was kind of that generation where they didn't really share the kids. It was just like dad would have visitation, but we wouldn't necessarily go to his house. And I know that I have suffered not having him in my life. So when I divorced, that was the one thing I knew I could have fought it. And I, you know, you see women do it all the time, tooth and nail, heels in. I'm not giving up custody or time with my kids. But I looked at it as I want them to be able to have that relationship that I didn't have. And I know that if we give a lot of dads the chance to just rise to the occasion and do all the things that mom did, they're not going to necessarily do them the same as me or you, but they're going to do them in their own way. And they're going to create that relationship with their kids. That is so, so, so important. Plus as a mom, you know, I wouldn't have been able to establish this career right now, had I had my kids full time. So there is some silver lining, I'd like to think. Absolutely. And and again, putting aside these serious issues of abuse, you know, neglect, um, mental health issues, uh, things of that nature, if you have two stable parents, it's absolutely in the children's best interest to have them both um, involved to the extent possible. And we, we do hear that anxiety and fear coming out of some of the, the, the younger moms when they say, well, he doesn't know how to do this and he doesn't know how to do that. I've always done it. Children are not fragile. The, the father will figure it out. Mm-hmm. They will be okay. And if you really want to be helpful, you can provide some guidance and, and help and support instead yeah. of pulling back and pulling away. So that's the right thing to do. That's the right way to approach it. And it's very important to do that work, to get yourself to a point where you're doing what's best for the children and not just tending to your own emotions and fears. Oh yeah. You've got to learn how to separate that. Cause I have seen people, clients, and even in my personal life who want to set their other co-parent up to fail, because that means, oh, if I set him up to fail, he's not going to be able to handle the kids full time. And so that means I'll be able to naturally have more time, or I'm not going to help them when help him or her when the kids are on their time, because he needs to figure out how to do it. I've done it all the time, you know, sink or swim kind of mentality where for me, I get that. Like I get where the pain and the anger and the, and the intention comes from there, but that does not have any service for your kids. Because if your co-parent is failing over there, guess who suffers? The kids, right? They're suffering at the fact that, you know, dad's trying to figure this out or mom's trying to figure it out. And you could really just say, Hey, this is sort of what I do. I know that, you know, you're going to figure out your own way. And, but if you need some support in this way, and I think because there's so much of that emotion and that anger that stuck between the divorcing couple, they let the kids get in the way of, this is going to be a lesson to them. You know, how dare they leave my, our marriage? I'm going to teach them type of thing. And I work a lot on that deep seated anger and pain to start to separate how you see this person from what they've done to your marriage, let's say, or your family to what you need to look at for the kids, because all of that unresolved trauma that you still have 
is going to spill out on how you co-parent and the only people that suffer from that are your children. And you see this too, you know, I know that you talked to about the financial piece with the stay at home moms, because there becomes so much fear around the money and the financial uh, situation. So do you see that too, where the women get really scared about, you know, losing the finances. And so they tend to, sometimes women will use the kids more as that leverage where men might use the money because that's where they have more, more weight, I guess, in their life. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's very common and it it can be scary. It's a, it's a big move financially for a lot of people. Uh, But again, it it just makes it that much more important to step back and recognize that the more strain there is, the more conflict there is in your relationship with your soon to be ex, the greater the likelihood that your children are going to suffer emotional and psychological harm and it's not going to be easily detectable at the outset. That's why it's so easy to do, right? Because mm-hmm. the kids are fine. They don't really know what's going on, but they do. They can sense it, right? Mm-hmm. Kids, even kids that are really young, they know when there's that strain between their parents and their parents aren't getting along. And it's slowly chipping away at their mental well being. And, and a lot of parents either don't recognize that or the, emotions, the, the, the hatred, um, is just so great that they don't care enough to step back and and resolve their issues and recognize that it's in their best interest. It's in the children's best interest to treat this almost as like a job. You're, you're sort of coworkers, you have a responsibility to your children. Mm -hmm. And so you have a responsibility to do it in a way that's civil and maximizes their chances of uh, the kids' chances of, of thriving. Yes, because you actually, this this points right to an amazing quote you just had on Instagram, and it was, your obligation as a parent is not to bring chaos into the lives of your children. And that to me was like, yep, boom, right there. You know, that is your obligation as a parent to learn how to separate that, but that's tricky. And as a, as a divorce attorney, you see that all the time. And I guess- too, they'll probably often overuse you as their sounding board for all of that emotional chaos. So how do you navigate that with a client? Clients that are highly revved up emotionally need that support. They tend to reach out to their attorney for that support. How do you navigate that? I mean, first of all, we do it with compassion and we understand that in a lot of these cases, there is real pain. You know, in some of these cases, there is breach of trust, either infidelity or financial issues that cause this. So it's a real thing and it needs to be dealt with. And so we do our best to actively listen, provide that empathy and compassion, but also recognizing when it might spill over into decision-making and in some cases, advising the client to get some help either from a therapist or a divorce coach, somebody who can help this person process these feelings and rein those emotions in so that they can operate with clarity and do what's best for themselves and their children. Right. Because how often do you see they're stuck on emotions getting too in the way and it slows the process down and it, it creates it, it, it makes it more expensive. It does. And, you know, frankly, in some cases, 
when people are not willing to do that work, we just sever the relationship. So Mm. if they're not willing to recognize that there is an issue and they're not willing to work on it, and they're going to continue to operate out of emotion and mainly contempt, we won't work with someone who's not trying to resolve that and to do the right thing. And so it's sad, but some people can't get themselves to a place where they um, put the pieces in place that they need to take care of that. And we just can't help people like that. Yeah. And they're not doing themselves any favors to, to continue down that, that path that they're still going to be very stuck emotionally. I mean, we both have huge compassion. We work in this field. We know that these, that individuals going through divorce are dealing with so much, but there does come to a point where we have to process those emotions because they're really getting in the way of your process. And it is going to affect your outcome because if you're concerned about the finances, the longer you go down this path of emotional strife and dig your heels in for a fight, because it's stemming from emotion and that hurt and the pain, you, it is going to cost you so much more money. It is going to take so much longer. And you are, you know, maybe you're the winner at the end of the day, but you're really not winning anything. You just lost a whole bunch of money, a whole bunch of time and caused yourself a whole bunch of emotional grief by staying stuck in this process for so much longer. So I, I do agree. I think there has to be almost like two components where you have to be getting that emotional support and guidance while you're going through the legal process, because if they start to bridge And I mean, I experienced it myself. I was using my my lawyer as an expensive therapist until I blew through 5,000 bucks in a month thinking, oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't talk to her as much as I do. (laughs) It's a very expensive therapist, (laughs) you know? Yes. Yeah. I think it's important. People have, And I think another underrated element of this is that, especially if you have young children, at least in Massachusetts, and it may be similar in, in other, um, in in other states and countries, but the judge follows your case. And so if there is an issue down the line um, involving the children, you're back in front of that same judge. And so I think an underrated element of this is also that operating solely on emotion and not getting that in check and thinking rationally and clearly can also cost you your credibility in court with a judge. And so you are hurting yourself long-term and you are hurting the children long-term if you're not operating out of clarity. Uh, Because if you're in front of a judge and it's clear to the judge that you're being unreasonable, a lot of these judges are not going to forget that. And so if there is a legitimate issue that comes up, you know, it becomes the boy or girl who cried wolf. And then you're in trouble if if you go down that path. And so that's another reason to make sure that you take care of yourself and that you get yourself to a position of clarity. That's interesting that you brought that up because I wondered how much of that kind of emotional or that picture painting really matters when it comes to court, to court and, and, and your case, because you do see people will, you'll be able save all of these emails and they'll paint their ex-spouse as this horrible, terrible person that shouldn't have the kids. And that has, you know, hurt them in all of these different ways, how much of, and it, it does stemming from emotion. There really aren't, there's no facts there necessarily. It's just a lot of my story, his story, what happened, how much of that does, is any weight on it when it comes to court situation? 
So I think that goes back to making sure that you have a reliable attorney who can take a look at everything and give you accurate and reliable information about what you can actually do with that information and whether mm-hmm. there will be any impact at all and and really exercising sound judgment on what you should and shouldn't bring forward and, and highlight, right? Because if if the if if you don't have the factual basis and you're bringing this stuff in front of the judge and it's not going to make a difference, then again, you're you're costing yourself credibility. You're wasting the court's time. And there's a price for that. It's not just throw everything out there and see what sticks. So you have to rely on a reliable attorney who can take a look at everything and let you know whether you should pursue that particular issue. And, you know, somebody, especially when you're emotional, you tend to sort of overestimate the the weight that certain things um, should carry in court. And um, that's why it's it's important for an attorney to carefully take a look at it and to um, sort of proceed with caution and exercise that discretion and figure out what the best plan is. And you have to, first of all, make sure you have a good attorney doing it, but trust the attorney's judgment. You know, Mm -hmm. some people are like, I just want this out in court. I just want the judge to hear it. And that's not always the best way to approach it. Yeah, I know. And it's, it's like telling your story, but you don't want to, you don't want to do that in the courtroom because it's really not not a place. place. No. And that's not, you're not going to find emotional justice there as much as everyone thinks they will. You just will not. So that is true. Having a therapist, having a coach work on that emotional piece and then show up for the business piece and the, and the parenting piece with your attorney. So uh, I'm so grateful that you came on the show today and really shared so much of your amazing knowledge. Everyone who's out there, I want them to go follow you on Instagram because every day you do these great reels that just hit home on these certain subjects that, you know, this is a really important piece that people need to know. So tell everyone where they can find you. So you can find us um, at Farious Family Law. We, we are on Instagram. We're on TikTok. Um, we are also on Facebook. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bill. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was fun. I appreciate it. It was fun. So thank you everyone for tuning in and listening. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make sure to follow the show. Make sure to download these episodes. We are up around 13,000 um, downloads now, which we've only been operating since February. So that's pretty good. I love that this story, this conversation is getting out to all of those of you who need it. So to please help us to increase that following, please talk about us, give us a rating and review and subscribe to the show and share any of this information that you find helpful or with, with anyone else you think might benefit too. So thank you all for being here. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week.